Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Digital, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's probably going to have to apologize for his, to his wife for something he says today on this podcast, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, I have the utmost respect for uh, Baylor University's ability to produce beautiful, smart, intelligent, successful women based on a sample size of one. Um, so that is the, that is the, that is where I will leave my opinion. Thank you, honey, for listening. You could turn off the episode now. It's all going to be just so sweet and rosy, uh, from here on out. But no, I, I, come on. Look, we don't get that many Baylor podcasts left in the repertoire. We, you know, let's rise above all the petty stuff. And, and, you know, like, like vitamin C said on, as we go on, we remember, I don't remember I don't know the rest of it. For that song, Kyle. I don't know if we're cleared for that song. Be careful. <laughs> Fair enough. So we are here to talk today about the Baylor Bears. So again, we are running through our season preview, probably our last maybe Big 12 preview series. Uh, so we've got Kendall Cout of our Daily Bears on. We're going to talk a little conference realignment and where the Baylor Bears uh, might end up and uh, his feelings on Dave Aranda finally, I think, getting a full first season to implement what he's trying to do with the Bears. So we'll uh, do our, our interview with Kendall and then we'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron. We are 37 short days away from kickoff, and so we are barreling through our season preview series. Again, if you are new to the podcast, every week we have a guest on on a Thursday show to help us preview one of the opponents on the Texas schedule, and so we are barreling through conference, and we have hit the Baylor Bears, and so uh, we have our friend, friend of the pod, who's been on several times with us before, Kendall Cout of Our Daily Bears, uh, on with us to help us preview the Bears. We'll also talk a little bit of uh, conference realignment and all the other stuff in the news. Kendall, how are you doing today? Gerald, Kyle, it is always a pleasure to be on with you, but I fear this may be one of the last times I'm ever on with you, given what your Longhorns have done to the Big 12. Kendall, if, if you ever want to talk, uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure our basketball programs are both, you know, heading in the right direction. Maybe we'll have a postseason basketball preview uh you know there's going to be plenty of of times for for us to have you on in our 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 virtual living room here and 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 cut it up um sadly as we'll talk it may not be uh big 12 related who knows guys this is all rumors we're reporting now nothing (laughs) is is science yet right we never know maybe no i'd see well anyways kendall the joy is ours welcome thank you kyle it's uh i think it's probably goodbye forever maybe one or two more basketball ones but we'll we'll enjoy it as much as we can while we have it i gotta be really honest with you that's that's the thing that's that's giving me like the most grief like when you think about like grief and grieving right like all of the friends like the the big 12 twitter sphere we give each other grief all the time but like the best group of people i've ever interacted with online are, are you jokers and so like this is ah. I like. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, "This sucks. I'm losing. All, I'm losing my Twitter friends. What the heck?" And I appreciate that, Gerald. I think it maybe is. I was uh, what nineteen twenty when the Big Twelve added TCU in West Virginia. And I remember thinking, what, "What in the world are we going to do with these Morgantown 
weirdos and these horn frog who knows what they are to add to the Waco weirdness as well. <laughs> just a bunch of weirdness, but you can do that at 20. When you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s, <laughs> you can't make these moves. I'm not ready to make new friends. I was talking to a buddy. Uh, we'd gone and visited our friend who lives in D.C., and I went to KU for law school, so we were all at the KU for law school. My buddy went to Baylor for undergrad. We all went. We loved talking about the Big 12. We met, like, some dude saw he had a hat on at the bar and hit him up, and we were all just kind of like, we don't need more friends. If anything, we're cutting <laughs> friends at this point in our lives. So the idea that Baylor could go to the AAC or any other conference, and I suddenly have to care about the historic Baylor-Washington State or Baylor-Tulsa <laughs> rivalry, I can't do it in much the same way that I'm sure the Texas fans will be on edge for the historic Texas-Vanderbilt rivalry. And I can only hope that Rutgers and the Big Ten somehow merge with the Pac-12 so that Rutgers, Oregon State, Week 3, ESPN2, what is Texas Unleashed? Uh, and just, <laughs> just so you know, Kendall, Vanderbilt, while you, while you badmouth that rivalry, is one of only two schools in the SEC with a winning record against Texas. So we are absolutely shaking in our boots. Uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, wildly enough, the only two with winning records in football. But yes, I agree with you. We, we, are, we are not as young as we once were. Making new friends is never, uh, never fun. So let's enjoy this one while we have it. It's a good philosophy, Kyle. It's a good philosophy. While we're trying to enjoy the friendships, let's rip the Band-Aid off. So this last couple of weeks uh, have been uh, monumentous in the not just the Big 12, but the landscape of college football as a whole. If you've been living under a rock, or this is your first podcast with us, well, welcome. Not sure why you joined on a Thursday, but that's fine. Um, but the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners are heading East-ish, maybe not have to head too far east, but they're joining the Southeastern Conference. And so um, what that's doing is the Big 12 is seemingly um, having to look, well, teams for the Big 12 are seemingly having to look for new homes. So from a Baylor perspective, Kendall, what's what's your outlook on it and kind of where, uh, where do you want to see the Bears head? Where do you think it's likely for the Bears to head? Like what's just knee-jerk reactions? We're still like a week into this thing. Uh, the knee-jerk reaction is that Texas A&M, Missouri, Colorado, Nebraska, they were right the whole time. I want to apologize <laughs> to their fan bases, their people, what I said about them, their children, their moms. I take it all back. They were right. We were wrong. The, what, what I want to see and what's kind of scary for the remaining eight is it's definitively a prisoner's dilemma. All eight teams right now with the Bob Bowlesby statement are just kind of like, we all love each other still. We want the eight to be a league. This is what we're about. But let's not kid around here right now. This is kind of like if you had made a pact that if you were still single at 35, you were going to get married to one of your friends, and then you come to be 34 in 11 months, and you're saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to get married next month, and I'm committed to getting married to you next month, but you're going to spend that next month looking for anyone else you can marry, and that's where the Big 12 remainders are right now. I can guarantee right now that if Baylor, TCU, Kansas, any of them, if the Pac-12 picks up the phone and says, we are prepared to offer you membership and the big 12 will shake their hand before that and comes out in an ode to that classic Seinfeld episode where Kramer has coffee burned on himself and takes the free coffee before the coffee company can get out that they're gonna give him $50,000. I want Baylor to land in any power conference. Pac-12, we love it. We love Pac-12 values. We're all about Texas, or <laughs> excuse me, we're all about California. Uh, we, we love them. We love Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland, phenomenal American cities. That is our state. <laughs> We share their values. Nancy Pelosi is my Speaker of the House. But if the Pac-12 is not coming, we love the ACC. We are prepared to say that the election was stolen, was not stolen. There was no election. 
We will say whatever it takes. <laughs> we need a Ronald Reagan statue on campus. We'll put it on there. We need a Karl Marx statue on campus. We are prepared to say that. The means of production are controlled by the elites or capitalism is the greatest <laughs> thing to ever happen to America. We are prepared to say it all and whatever needs to be said. Uh, but in all seriousness, any invite, we are ready to take it. ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, I don't think that's coming. Uh, I think realistically, the last time there was kind of that talk about would Texas happen and would they go to the Pac-12 with the friends of you know Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas A&M, Baylor was not going to be invited because of the religious element to Baylor. Now you can frame that as, is it that Baylor's policy towards you know gay, bisexual, lesbian, transgender students should change? Absolutely. But ultimately, I don't think that's what's holding Baylor out. Uh, I think Baylor would adopt the policy to change it a little bit potentially to get into the Pac-12. Baylor's kind of modified its stance in the last few years. So I don't think that's yeah. really the issue. I think it's that pretty clearly there is a difference between the values you would find for the average Baylor student. And I'm not the most conservative cat that talks about Baylor, but just being realistic, the average Baylor student is a little bit different than the average student going to Cal Berkeley. And sure. the scheme of life, Baylor and Cal should not be in the same conference. But to be fair, <laughs> should the University of Texas, Vanderbilt and Mississippi State be in the same conference? No, but I want to thank Texas for giving us that world where we'll all look back in five years and say, you know what? Let's just hit the reset button. And maybe, you know, Texas, Baylor, TCU. I mean, a 106-year rivalry between Baylor and Texas. And I don't think they're ever going to play again yeah. in the near future. It's a good point. I think Texas has played Baylor in football more than any other team, A&M or OU included. I mean, it is it is an historic rivalry, not necessarily one that's at 50-50, but it has been around forever, right? It is it is sad to, to say goodbye to uh, those things you, you can't necessarily replicate that, but that's I, the, the the humor aside. You made a good point. I, I, I think it will be very interesting. I wonder if um, the other schools in the Big Twelve will share the kind of um, we are flexible, we are open, we just want to compete at the highest levels philosophy. Which this alignment, and we had talk a lot about this in the coming weeks, but feels a lot different than the others. Where you know Texas to the Pac-12 made sense because our president wanted to keep the academic standards of of uh, lead institute and, th- and those types of conversations. It is right now about staying alive in the new college football landscape. It's a money grab, a power grab, a relevance grab, right? It is. It is. Big 12 teams shifting to the places they're most relevant. So I, I will be very curious. Baylor, because of its unique position that you described, will be one of the most interesting, right? You have some recent success across multiple sports, including a reigning national championship and arguably the second largest sport. Um, and, and, and you know, some some not that uh, distant, you know, college football relevance. Uh, and, and so it, it is it isn't probably to me the most interesting case in the entire conference uh, about what the next couple months hold for. Yeah, no, I think those are all really good points, Kyle. And I am just definitive that I think any school gets an invite to a power league they're going. The fallback they kind of say is that, well, will Texas Tech or West Virginia get invites because they're not, you know, academic powerhouses in the traditional sense. And what I always think about that is, you know, I never considered Nebraska to be one of America's elite educational institutions. Again, no insult to Nebraska, fine school. But the Big Ten made up that their American Association of Universities thing mattered, which is really just a scam to say to your graduate students, do more research work. I don't think anyone in America believes Harvard is a lesser institution because it does not belong to the AAU, but Dartmouth does. And so, I think if the ACC decides they will get more money from West Virginia, they'll take them and they'll say that, you know, West Virginia is an underrated academic institution and that cultural norms have been established that view the educational allotments that come out of West Virginia as biased in a certain sphere, right? They'll fall back on grandiose language to hide that all this has ever been about is making money. And, you know, I know if you're a Rice fan right now, not very many of you are out there. If you are, you're probably doing nerd stuff. But if you're a Rice fan, you're probably saying, you know, in 1994, we said these exact same things. We told Baylor. What are you going to do when Texas eventually does what they've done to us? 
And I tell Rice fans, if you're still living, if you were mad in 1994, I'm sorry to you as well. I apologize. When I was three years old, I should have taken a stand. I should have also prepared to have opposed the Iraq War in 03. My support for the Iraq War and my support for Texas remaining in the Big 12, I owe an apology. That was a um, – felt like a stump speech. If you're working on your, uh, <laughs> your campaign for 20-something, uh, whatever it might be, I think go with that. I think people – especially people in College Station, probably Lubbock, would definitely get on board for that. Houston definitely would also be, be on board. So – there's, there is some football to be played between then and now. And so um, shifting gears a little bit, <laughs> the Baylor Bears didn't really – they were in such a terrible spot this, going into this last season. Let's just be honest. Dave Aranda came in and had big hopes, big dreams for what would happen, and then he didn't get a full spring because of COVID, and then things got weird. And so Dave, Dave Aranda didn't really get – the year zero that most teams get, he'd probably make it another one. It was a underwhelming year for expectations, but I want to, I want to hear from you, Kendall, like what are the expectations uh, for Dave Aranda's unit in kind of the first real year of football and coaching he's getting to do at Baylor? Yep. I think it's kind of the exact same deal as what Matt rule had in year two, Gerald, Matt rule goes one uh, and 11 that first year, my God, losing to Liberty. Uh, what a sad time that was, but I would gladly take a loss to Liberty to keep the big 12 together. Um, <laughs> I have all the emotions right now about, do I want the Big 12 together? Am I, if I accept it, it's gone. I'm going through all the stages of denial and grief at once. But the direct question, expectations this year, make a bowl game. Maybe that's a little lofty. Baylor's playing BYU in the non-conference. You can look at the rest of the Big 12 and say it's a pretty good league. I think with Oklahoma and Iowa State, the clear top two teams in the conference. But even beyond that, it's a pretty talented league. But I think that's the expectation. The defense should be very elite. I think has a chance to be the best or second best defense. The problem is... The offense could be the ninth best offense in the Big 12, and that makes it a little tougher to compete. So, yeah, let, let's start with the offense because I am actually curious, and you, you set up the perfect segue with, uh, with the uh, BYU connection. So Jeff Grimes coming over, recently revamped that BYU um, team. He's a guy who has ties to Dave Aranda from their time uh, at LSU where he was previous to BYU. Um, comes in, there will be some interesting clay and, and things for him to mold and shape. He by year three really had uh, BYU humming, um, again, keeping in, in realistic expectations, 23.3 points per game in the Big 12 last year. How much of a bump is realistic to new coordinator changing some pieces? We'll talk about specific players in a moment. But, I mean, you said ninth in the Big 12, and I think you're, you're having a healthy dose of realism. But, but, I mean, can you have a step up and still not expect uh, instant greatness? The offense is just the ultimate unknown. Uh the year before, so the 2019 season when Baylor makes the Big 12 title game, it makes it on the strength of maybe one of the best defensive lines in Big 12 yep. history, at least since probably Texas 05. And that offense, or that defensive line all graduates. They can't rush three quite as well. Terrell Bernard gets hurt, and then the offense has to score. And the offense was good uh, the year Charlie Brewer could complete passes 30 yards downfield, couldn't last season. But Tyquan Thornton is still there. Uh, Josh Leakes is talented. RJ Sneeds. They have a bevy of talented receivers. I think that's a good skill point. But the ultimate issue remains what we talked about last year, guys. The offensive line, it, can it go from bad to catastrophic to just average? And can the quarterback play be below average? I don't think people are even asking for average when it comes to Baylor's quarterback situation. But Charlie Brewer had one of the worst regressions I've ever seen from a quarterback. Whether you want to blame that on the offensive line, not giving enough time to throw. Whether he's just a little bit smaller guy. There's a reason if your dad uh, you know, plays at Texas and you're not offered at Texas, there's probably a sign that maybe you didn't have the requisite body i mean i don't want i don't like to critique charlie brewer too much because he is one of those dudes that i have no doubt he has gotten every ounce of talent he's possesses out of him but the issue is 
his talent just isn't quite there. And now maybe Brewer with a full year starts making passes again. I don't know that he's going to at Utah. So Baylor's going to have a quarterback this season that will have a better arm than Brewer. But uh, not a real great sign when you're heading into the season and you haven't named a starter and three guys are still in the running. I think Aranda would make a starter if he had one. I don't think he's one of those dudes that plays games and it's just like, or, 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 or. I think it's a reflection that, and, 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 we don't quite know who it is. I wonder how much of that is Charlie Brewer also being concussed, what, 15, 17, 23 times in his time at Baylor. Well, that's I'm always curious to see the repeated concussions, how that, how that plays out. But you, you gave us, again, you're killing the segues today, Kendall. We should just have you on every week to do this. So Charlie Brewer's gone, right? He's been a mainstay at Baylor for, for several years and uh, was kind of the, the battery for that offense for a while and then became the ankle weights, I think, in his last year and, and needed a fresh start. And so, you know, Jacob Zeno got some play. Jerry Bohannon got some play last year. Um, there's a third guy in the mix. And so, like, who – what does the QB battle look like as it stands right now coming out of spring? And who do you think is going to kind of come out of the top of the pile? That's the ultimate question, Gerald. If I'm gun to my head guessing right now and I'm like, good God, Texas has already taken my league. Why are they putting a gun to my head to it? What point does it end, Gerald? And, Kyle, <laughs> what point does it end? Um, I think Gary Bohannon will be the starter. He's a year older than Jacob Zeno. Zeno played in that Big 12 championship game had those two absolute lasers. And so that's where the talent is. And honestly, I would personally like to see Zeno win the job, but I'm not attending all these practices. I don't see it. I'm not the football mind uh, by any stretch of anyone's imagination that Jeff Grimes and Dave Aranda are. I think what they like about Bohannon is that he is a little more mobile than anybody else. And so if the offensive line struggles, he can make plays with his legs. He's a little bit of a quick passer too. And they want more quick reads because Aranda thinks that the drop back pass is less successful on offense going forward. It's a great defensive mastermind. I think he thinks that's where the evolution of football is going. So I think that's why they'll install that offense. Ultimately, there's a guy named Chiron Drones who they had recruited. Landon is a true freshman. He's probably not going to start this season. If Baylor's real bad, he'll probably start by about week eight, and then he'll be the future of Baylor. Um, Bohannon or Zeno or Shapin might win now. Drones are coming. So one thing that we do know while the quarterback battle is up in the air is that uh, Tristan, Tristan Ebner – is coming back, right? A guy who could do it all, um, has had some big plays that same Big 12 championship game. I think he had an electric run in that one, if I recall. Um, he's just been a weapon for that offense uh, for a little while. Um, how much of the offense is going through him, and, and what are some of the other skill position players that Texas should should know on, on this offense? Quite a bit will go through him, Kyle. He had opted out for about a split second last season, then didn't <laughs> opt out, then came back. Very strange progression, but he came back, kind of putting his dues, has played about every season he's been at Baylor. Uh, he's going to be a skill player that Baylor rely upon. Abraham Smith has played defense. Uh, our guy Travis Roder over at our site's an incredible X's and O's dude. He thinks that Abraham Smith has NFL talent, and that's why he made the switch. Played very well to end last season. And then Tyquan Thornton, exceptional sophomore season. Charlie Brewer can't throw 20 yards downfield last year. Doesn't have much of a year. I think if Bohannon, Zeno, Chapin, Drones, doesn't matter, can make the downfield throw he'll have a really big year as well then rj sneed played very well last year had a huge game against kansas state which was baylor's only non-kansas big 12 victory so the skill talent is there it's a question of those other two groups on offense so let's let's talk about that then you mentioned the offensive line last year being um let's just go ahead and say it pretty terrible um was was it was kind of a, a cluster, if you want to go that route. We keep it. We try to keep our, our G rating on this podcast, so we'll just uh, we'll just <laughs> stop at cluster. But so what what, is, what does it look like? Are they uh, do they look to be improved? What what work did they do in the offseason to try to, to shore up an area that was very clearly um, a deficiency a year ago? Yeah, it was not good. They landed a couple of transfers. Uh, one cat had started at 
Vanderbilt, another had started at Buffalo. So that gives them some hope they can plug and play a couple guys. Connor Galvin, been their best offensive lineman on the team that made the Sugar Bowl. He should be healthy all season. And they have some guys that have started at different spots. And so Xavier Newman has started a lot of games. Uh, Giancarlo Valentin was a junior college guy. So they think they have more depth on the offensive line. But just kind of plugging and playing and figuring out, you know, if you weren't that good a year ago, can you go from horrendous to average? That's a huge win for Baylor. So they have some guys that measure in talent-wise to do that. But that was really, really the problem with Matt Rule's era is phenomenal results by the end. Had Baylor going in the right direction. Defense that was left behind was amazing. But that offensive line recruiting and development just was not there in the Rule era. And that's where Aranda's really had to suffer is what he inherited. If Matt Rule hadn't, you know, parachuted away to Carolina – he would have had an offensive line the next season that suddenly maybe he doesn't get as many NFL calls. I don't know. Matt Rule, you left Baylor too. I'm taking shots at the levers right now. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I like it. So we're talking eras. Obviously, we went from the RG3 kind of offensive era of Baylor football to back-to-back coaches who are defensive-minded. Dave Aranda, obviously a defensive just genius. Uh, so to go from Rule to him, you know that Baylor is going to have good defenses, and, and it's just a matter of – of when not if right and I think last year 58 in points per drive so kind of middle of the pack for again a very weird year zero and installing a a new defense what what do you see kind of instantly leverage that that Aranda can pull to get this defense uh a little bit improved from that in 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 this year yep and I think uh Kyle great stats you mentioned I think those are framed though with how horrendous the offense was it stretches that defense is always on the field and you know if you give up two touchdowns the game is over sorry thanks for coming out (laughs) <laughs> and so I think with just a little bit better offense, that will feed the defense a little bit. The biggest acquisition, though, is there's a guy named uh, Ika who plays defensive line, will play nose tackle, who was at LSU, who they think is a plug-and-play, can play two-gap defense, will be amazing. Terrell Bernard uh, was injured, missed almost all of last season. He'll be back with an all-Big 12 caliber player. Jalen Petrie has All-American talent, the pro football focus, national list. I don't know what they call their All-America list. Probably just the All-America list, since that's the name everybody else uses. Uh, their list has him as one of the best position players in his group. And then uh, Raleigh Tejada is back in the secondary. Kalen Barnes is fast. JT Woods runs the 100 with incredible speed as well. So defense, if it's not good this year, that'd be a pretty big surprise. I think you need multiple injuries not be good there. They have a defense capable of winning a Big 12 championship. They do not have an offense capable of doing that. And so that's why I think ultimately you're like, hey, that sounds like a team that could win a bowl game and go to a bowl game. And maybe they knock off one of the Iowa State Oklahoma State, Texas teams, but maybe they're bad enough that K-State beats them by 40 points with the way they play. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually went on the 10-12 podcast. Uh, I think I got bummed from some of this alignment stuff. It should be coming out maybe this week <laughs> to your ears. Uh, but uh, I, I said that ranking the cornerbacks, and I said that Baylor right now, I put them at fourth, but said that we could be looking back at the end of the year and saying they're as good as like number two. I think TCU is the clear number one just with two NFL cornerbacks on that roster. But I, I mean, I, I think Baylor is, could end up being like a top 15 20 cornerback unit in the country because i think texada is 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 really really good as a lockdown guy and if boogie barnes can stay healthy and show he's got it those are two really good um cornerbacks so it's is i i the thing that i'm curious about is you mentioned a lot of guys in in kind of secondary and in coverage um does baylor you know or do they have the the guys that you just described with a, with a plug and play nose tackle a returning injured linebacker do they have the guys to stop the run and balance in the past where this can truly be um like a Matt Rule team that, that that carries it defense winning those close games. If you can only put up twenty points, can you can you win those games? Does this feel like that good of a defense to you? I think it is. I think it's a really good defense. Maybe not quite as good as that twenty nineteen was at its absolute peak, 
But I think the secondary is better. You still have Sherelle Bernard, who was the best linebacker on that team two years ago, now two years older. Jalen Petrie is probably better than anybody else after Clay Johnston went down uh, early in that season. So the linebacker group, I think, is one of the best Big 12 position groups. I think the secondary is pretty darn good. I think that defensive line at nose tackle is good. The question will be who plays around um, him at the defensive line. So the defensive line is certainly not even close to that tier. But I think the other groups are far better than they were back then. So it's a defense that can contend for a Big 12 title. If Gary Bohannon or Jacob Zeno is the all-Big 12 first-team player, then, yeah, Baylor has shocked the world and made the Big 12 championship game. But if they're a below-average quarterback, then I think you're in that 5-7 and seven to 7-5 seven and five range. So, you, you again, killing the segue. So let's, let's just – let's cap it here. And, and I want to know from you, like, what is – What's the storyline you're watching this year? Like, what's the thing that you're really keeping your eye on to see whether or not this year is going to be successful? And, and, and again, what does a successful season look like in your eyes? Fair. And it certainly, uh, Gerald, on the field is what I want to really stress with your question. But I think ultimately, if Baylor goes 1-11 and makes the ACC – the fans in Waco and across Baylor Nation will say what a great year it was. Congratulations <laughs> to President Livingstone and Mac Rhodes and Dave Aranda for not ruining this. And if Baylor goes 11-1 and one and is playing in the Mountain West Conference next year, there is nothing that can happen on the field that will make anything seem good because that would be the ending. I think on the field, though, the issue will be does Baylor show enough positive signs on offense that they can recruit well? And then do they get to a bowl game? I think if Baylor is 4-8 and eight in the ACC – and the offense plays better at the end of the season, that's a lot better than being 6-6 six and six and making the AAC. So I think on the field exclusively, it's bowl game, 6-6, six and six, go 500, you're happy. But off the field, we'll situate everything this season, and that is all I think anyone will end up remembering. Where does Baylor go, and where do they go somewhere? And if not anywhere good, I don't think there'll be any positive memory of the final go-around in the Big 12. It's certainly going to be a weird year. It's going to be a, a weird book into a, a funky chapter. Big Twelve is just such a it's such an interesting weird conference. You started off saying the weirdness, and I love it. But let's let's keep it a little weird here, Kendall. You did such a great job with the football analysis. But the thing that people come to this podcast for time and again is not always just the X's and O's. We we get interesting folks on here to talk with us. We like to keep it a little funky in true Big 12 fashion. So let's start it with a segment we're calling Shooting from the Hip. We did not uh, prepare you for any of this. This is coming off the cuff. Uh, we know you're, you're up for it. So just let's start with an easy softball one. This feels like right now this may be clouding your, your, your judgment. So I'm going to ask a two-parter. <laughs> Currently and also historically, who do Baylor fans hate the most, TCU, Texas, or other? Uh, currently, the – Poll would be 100, Texas. It would not be close. I don't think anyone else could even get a vote. I Fair. truly think no one else would even get a vote. Fair. Historically, I think it would probably be – in the modern history, it would be Texas still won, TCU too, but it would be close. Uh, all-time history, I think if you talk to somebody that's you know 60-plus, they hate A&M so much. Sure. They'd give A&M a nod, and then they'd come right back and say, but you better believe I'm donating the maximum to oppose Texas. I can just tell you guys – uh, Gerald, Kyle, you're great guys, but in perpetuity, if Baylor does not land in a real conference, the Texas hate will be different. Uh, it will not be the most fun, but that's why these last two years will be unique. And God can only hope that horns down will not be a penalty against you, but it will be a penalty <laughs> against Texas because they didn't stop it. I can't blame you there. I really, I mean, I hate myself a little bit too. in this one. So, um, Willie Nelson, Baylor, not graduate, but Baylor attendee. Spent a couple years at Baylor and then got famous and dropped out. Um, 
moved to Austin about yeah, 15-ish years after that. Now, Austinites claim Willie Nelson as one of them, but I want to hear from you. What's your best case? What is your best argument that that Willie is a Baylor person and a Waco person? What's, what's your argument? Well, Willie Nelson went to Baylor, um, and so I would think that that's more important than just stepping foot in Austin. A lot of weirdos have stepped foot in Austin, um, <laughs> but not been a part of it. I will certainly credit you all for the LBJ library. I mean, shouts to LBJ for America's involvement in Vietnam. That's a big victory for the University of Texas. Obviously, the presidential library dedicated to Vietnam's architect. You can't, you can't go without that one. So I will give LBJ to the University of Texas. They can have Lyndon Johnson until the end of time. I was opposed to the Vietnam War. You all take that. We'll take Willie. That's what's fair. You get the presidential library. We get Mr. Nelson. We'll embrace all that Mr. Nelson has. And in fact, embracing Willie Nelson probably helps us with the Pac-12. We love Willie. We love whatever Willie supports. Pac-12 all day. Uh, yeah, I love it. There, we do have a statue of him in Austin, but we could that can be part of the, the, the negotiation. Um, so uh, this... This is uh, this is for me. I don't remember if we did this last year, but we used to do a, a segment called Bed Wet or Dead. Because again, we keep it G rated here. Um, I don't know if we put this on you before, but we have a we have a new crop of Bed Wed or or Dead, similar to the the, the children's game. Uh, In my uh, head, I was thinking the other names, Kyle. So I was like, Wait yeah, a minute. oh, yeah. this game. All right, yeah. So, I got so it. Bed Wed or Dead, Chip Gaines, Trey Wingo, Robert Griffin the Third. This is a tough one. Um, but I just got to kind of think about what's best for Baylor going forward. Um, so Trey Wingo, you're a great guy. I believe you're going to do great things. In fact, you could eventually be the voice of the bears, but hopefully, uh, you know, beyond Jesus, you're the second one to ever rise from the grave. So Trey Wingo, <laughs> you were dead. Um, I guess we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to bed RG three. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go any deeper on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and we'll wed Chip Gaines, given he's got quite a bit of money. I still get to okay. be in Waco. Um, and again, I think if I could wed Chip Gaines, that's probably Baylor's best shot to get in the Pac-12. So yet again, <laughs> we're ready to go. You're, you're always thinking of the bigger picture. We appreciate that about you. Keep, keep it. Sorry. All right. So let's end on this one. So the other big story of the offseason off is that the name, image, and likeness changes. And so – if you had to pick one Baylor athlete all time to shill for one typically Baylor or Waco business, who would you pick? What athlete would you pick? What business would you? RG3 is, I think, clearly the most successful or famous of Baylor's people. That's why we're not picking RG3. Um, also, because I just took RG3 to bed. That's going to be a <laughs> whole thing if he's still on TV. And I don't want to have that in the news again. So uh, we'll go with uh, Mark Vidal or Matt Meyer from Baylor basketball. Uh, they're both very honest. If you ever talk to those guys and ask them a question, they will answer it literally. They will not hide behind any cliches. They'll say whatever. Um, so I'm going with one of those dudes. I'm going with Mark Vidal, uh, national champion. And I'm going to have him endorse uh, George's, which is a bar and grill in Waco. They got crazy wings, which are real good. And I just want to hear what Mark Vidal has to say about crazy wings. It'll be the craziest endorsement you'll ever see. But Georgia's will be franchising in every city in America within a year with Mark Vidal endorsing him. So that's my plan. I, I love it. I love uh, – he, he was fun to watch a, uh, a good two-way player on that Baylor team for sure. I'm surprised. So now I have to ask the follow-up here because I thought it would go one of two areas. It would either be Big O's at Georgia's or Crazy Wings at Georgia's or the, the obviously very stereotypical when someone college football-related comes in and does a Baylor TV episode, they go eat at. 
VTEX and have the gut pack. So if you had to give some poor soul to be the, the face of the gut pack, who would you put as the, the, the gut pack shill? Probably Laquan McCallan, who was Baylor's old <laughs> offensive lineman converted to tight end. That was maybe the greatest thing ever in 2015. So wholesome. Yeah, yeah they'd play hit the Quan whenever he would do that, right? Just hit the Quan peak. So Laquan, <laughs> you're endorsing the gut pack. You're a great guy. Never change that. Laquan. It's beautiful. Kendall, thank you so much for, for taking some time out to hang out with this. If people want more of what you've got to offer, man, where can they find you on the internet? Great. Uh, so I appreciate that, Gerald. They can uh, find me on the internet at Kendall Cout, which is my name on Twitter, Our Daily Bears, I'm the editor of the site. And if they want to read a book um, by me about Baylor basketball winning the national title, some have said, if you don't buy it, you're racist, giving it the story of mostly black <laughs> men and one white guy achieving their dream of winning a national title. I'm not saying that, but many have said it would be considered racist to not buy a book about those people achieving their dreams. Uh, so my book about Baylor basketball's national title, how they drew it up, forward by Scott Drew. Uh, you can find it in any Barnes & Noble in Texas, on the internet, or at triumphbooks.com. What a great read. What a great joy. Teach the kids about literacy and teach the adults about why it mattered once upon a time. Can't end on anything better than that, Kendall. You're always a joy. We truly will miss this. We're going to have to find an excuse, whether it's tennis matchups or basketball, to get you on for years to come. This is uh, always always a fun time. Thank you. And I, I might take up old – just tell me what SEC team you don't have somebody for, and I'll suddenly start <laughs> watching South Carolina or Ole Miss or – Mizzou or whatever. Perfect. Vandy feels like a feels like a fit. I don't know why Vandy feels like the fit, but it feels like the fit. But Kendall, man, thank you again so much, brother. Yep, love being on here, you guys. It's been the honor of a lifetime. All right, Jared. Let's let's take it now to what we have been watching on our giant screens. This segment, as we are just a few weeks away from watching actual football inside of DKR on the new Godzilla Tron, Gerald. What are you watching on your giant screen? Not a ton of watching this week, Kyle. My wife and I were preparing to uh, go out of town, so we, you have all that stuff you got to do packing. When you got multiple children, there's a lot of work to do there. But we did squeeze in one episode of Mayor of East Town, and uh, that is a really, really incredible show that is really, really hard to watch. It so it will be probably the slowest of slow leaks that we do as we watch a show. It is not. Um, not one that you're, at least for us, not, not the type of show that I'm going to want to binge. It's very heavy. It's incredibly acted. The acting is absolutely incredible. The, the atmosphere, the way that they build this town almost into it. it really, I think the town is a character. I mean, it's in the name of the, the show. And so I think it's, it's atmospheric. Kate wins. It's incredible. Like the acting is going to be great. I'm really excited about it, but I will probably only be able to watch like one or two episodes a week just because it is such a heavy watch. It's such such a meaty watch. Again, there are people that probably will binge this kind of show, but I'm not the one to do that. It, it, it takes emotional effort for me. And well, when you got two kids, there's not a lot of room for that extra emotional effort, at least when they're little and you're not sleeping a whole lot. But again, it's really like I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's just like I got to take I got to pace myself with this. And it's also exposed me to the fact that um, I cannot say the difference between her name, which is short for Meredith and the word mayor. Like my wife and I got in a long argument about how I say the word mayor and mayor the same. I don't have much of a drawl when it comes to certain words, but apparently mayor and mayor are not the same word. Gerald, after, after you tweeted about that, my wife and I went 
through a lengthy discussion where I heard her say those two words exactly the same, probably 40 times consecutively saying the same word. Of course, if you represent a city or a municipality as its uh, local presiding head, you are a mayor. If you're talking about someone short for Meredith, it is mayor. Um, Now, you don't hear it? Do you hear it? It sounds the same. Barely. Okay. I barely hear. Mayor. Maybe we need the campaign to, to really make people pronounce. Mayor. Make mayor pronounceable again. Um, May, mayor. <laughs> well, how would you say the, the guitarist and pop slash blues recording artist uh, who recorded Your Bodies of Wonderland as well as other hits, his last name? John Mayer. And he, if he were to get elected as the head of Shirts Texas, he would be the what? He'd be John Mayer the mayor. I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't know. No, I, I'm not hating this whatsoever. It makes me want to watch the show more. I'll be honest. This is the, what was it? The, uh, it wasn't the blue dress. There was the word that went viral uh, in our, in our time. The uh, Lanny or Yanny. I don't remember anyways, that the, 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 <laughs> the, the latest viral sensation, which is also beautifully parodied in a show that I've talked about on this, um, this exact segment in the past, um, search party which is on hbo and in a pivotal courtroom scene i won't give anything away uh but it does come down to a audio recording being played and the the um judge jury and audience are all split on whether they hear um something crucial um parroting that of course but uh that is not what i'm talking about this week in godzilla tron gerald i may have to check out uh, your recommendation for for a, a meteor uh episode also meteor is another word that's that's like that by the way which is the tiktok that got me on the the platform tiktok there was one where uh i don't know the characters but it was a a a god and speaking to someone character um and it was uh about how they should make the dinosaurs meteor they should they should be uh more more meaty and and uh they heard make them a meteor uh and it it is just a a hilarious 13 seconds that i was like okay i could get in in on this um but anyways um (laughs) that's not what i'm talking about either what i was going to talk about was the olympics gerald we watched the the opening ceremony Uh, my wife and i i know you said you watched it as well um i have actually really tuned in to um some some great sports already i watched the olympic skateboarding it was it was just wild to see that as a kid who grew up playing Tony Hawk's pro skater. Um, so to see that in the Olympics, um, I will try to find surfing when that, uh, when that's there, um, you know, uh, just some, some wild ones, uh, that, that will be coming up are always interesting. Obviously swimming is always great. We watch a lot of the, the swimming three B. Have you watched any of the three V three X three basketball? It might be the most exciting sport that's not track. Absolutely, the, the I don't know about the men's version. Not nearly as fun. The women's USA three v th- or three at three by three basketball team is maybe the most awesome team that the U.S. put out in this whole Olympics so far. We'll see. Kat Osterman obviously is 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 a baller herself, but um, it, it's it's great. I actually my favorite part of the entire opening ceremonies was when they made the poor guy enact all of the logos in like a two minute montage uh i definitely cringed when he dropped the tennis racket but otherwise in a stellar performance if not that the drones was pretty 
stinking mind blowing. I you watch it. What was your favorite part of the opening ceremonies? Them incorporating like video game music into the into the the musical cues was really cool for. Uh, and again, if you're looking to like create intersectionality in your uh, fan bases, that's a way to do it. I saw people that I've never seen tweet about sports tweeting about video game music in uh, in the Olympic opening ceremony. So that was cool. Um, I mean, just you know the vast majority of the athletes aren't going to get on a medal stand. And so seeing athletes that are, um, again, that's, that's the big day for most of them. So it's just cool getting to, to see there and honor them. Um, it's just, I, I like, I love the, the opening ceremony. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. I didn't watch much else because pretty much anytime I had free time or in the background, I've been working, I've just had, uh, NBC or USA or CNBC or whichever one had the most interesting sport on in the background. So whether passively or actively, I've consumed a ton of Olympics and don't expect that to change for a little while. Absolutely not. No, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It should not. That's what we got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or you can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. And as our lives change, come whatever, we will still be friends forever. Split it up, they can't see me.